The book of Exodus, sometimes you might wonder why would we go back to a, an ancient book to speak to the needs of the moment. We are, we are living in an unknown time uh, as far as all the things that are going through. The book of Exodus is all about God's way out, and uh, we are all in a mess uh, in these days. And, and the reason we need God to get us out, because we, we, we're not sure how we got into it, and we know we can't get out of it on our own. In fact, uh, as you look at human history, it, it seems like not only do we repeat the problems of the past, that we, we add to them as well as perpetuate them. You know, as I was thinking about all that's going on in this day, um, I, sometimes as I look at all our efforts to, to make it better, to make it work, uh, eventually I cry out, so God, where are you at? Uh, why don't you show up? And then particularly as you look back in the Old Testament and, and you really don't see the name of Jesus all the time in the Old Testament, you, you could ask yourself the question, where's Jesus? And, and really what I want to say to you is Jesus is always there and he's always there in the midst of whatever you're going through, but sometimes you can't see him and you can't feel him and you can't understand what he's doing or not doing in your life or the lives of the people you care about. Some of the people in, in our church know that this last weekend... Uh, we, we traveled, Alice and I, to a, uh, to a funeral service in which I was to preach at. And we left on Thursday morning. We got up at 2.30 in the morning on Thursday morning. I grabbed a few things, finally got on the road. And, and then 13, 14 hours later, we arrived in Idaho uh, at 5 p.m. And we were out of the viewing of, of um, my aunt, my Aunt Mary Lou Merrow, who was the last surviving uh, sister of, of my mother. And as I began watching all the videos that were presented in the presentation of her life, and then as we, the next day, uh, we were at the service, it just reminded me of all the times I had spent with her. And really the way our family was uh, nurtured during uh, my early years, the first 20 years of my life, literally every birthday, every holiday, every Christmas, every New Year's was spent either at my home or my aunt's home or my grandmother's home as we celebrate doing life together. And I have so many memories of being with my other side of my family as far as my Uncle John and my Uncle Mary Lou, my Aunt Mary Lou and my four cousins. We just did so many things together, not only on holidays, but I went on so many camping trips with them. And all I can remember of Mary Lou were fond memories, all the love and all the things she allowed me to enjoy, not only during those first 20 years, but other, other periods of time where I would, I would drive my, Alice and myself, sometimes my kids as well, into Idaho. But what I need to share with you, however, though, though all I can remember, I choose to remember, is all the great years, all the good years, is about 25 years ago, all of a sudden, my aunt, Mary Lou, who had a number of tragic things happening within her larger life experience, she, she developed the condition of being bipolar. And some people get a mild case of that, but she had a severe case of being bipolar, the manic and depressive results of uh, your mind going certain ways. And I shared even in the, in the service uh, for her that there was a time in which the family asked if, if we would we would uh, have her stay with us for a week, and, and they knew she was in her manic state, uh, in a very severe manic state. And, and literally, when she was in our home for seven or eight days, she would, she would stay up 23 out of 24 hours in, in a particular day. She was, she was nonstop. 
And I remember particularly, and I shared this story, is that on one particular day, and she had been talking to me nonstop for hours, and I thought, well, I need to engage somehow in the conversation to show you that I was interested. So I started to talk, and, and this is what she did with preachers. She reached out her hand, and she put it over my mouth, and she says, not your time to talk, it's my time to talk. But as I think about her, one of the things that during those 25 years, and I was thinking back to them because normally I think of only the good years, is that as I, as I look at her life, it, it seemed like it was only a short period of time. Maybe it was only three or four or five years ago that that was her condition. But, but literally, she had this for t- the last 25 years of her life. And, and let me let's be honest with you. There were many times the entire family would, would ask the question, where's Jesus? Why doesn't Jesus show up? Why doesn't he heal her of this condition in her life? And though we prayed and we sent her to all kinds of ways uh, to be treated, uh, she remained with this condition uh, through her last quarter century of her life. And so I just want to say to you that even though we prayed fervently and faithfully for her to be healed, it, it never happened. And though we were always tempted to say, where is Jesus? And Jesus is nowhere. Jesus was always there. And we can still look back at special moments with her, even though she was from one extreme to the other, and there were periods of time where she was still Mary Lou. We recognize that that God shows up no matter what is happening. And and I guess what I want to say in this, in the midst of all I want to share, and there's so many things I was going to share just kind of in a fundamental way to to teach the passage, is that when we ask the question, where is Jesus, and, and where does Jesus show up, you can fill in the blank whatever you're going through. Jesus shows up where people are, and you fill in the blank. Whether you're depressed, whether you're filled with anxiety or fears, whether all that's in your mind are questions as far as why things are happening or not happening, how do you explain what's going on, that I want you to know that Jesus shows up wherever people are in need. And you fill in the blank on that. And really the record we have in the Old Testament and the New Testament is illustrations of that. That God has always showed up graciously and powerfully when people are in need. One is to test our faith and to strengthen our faith and to bring us to faith. Because no one comes to Jesus until they really realize they need him. Jesus put it this way, that, that you know, a physician does not go to people who, who are well, but he goes to people who are sick. And, and that sickness does not have to be a physical sickness, it, 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 but it can be whatever causes us to be in that, that place of despair and, and, and just recognizing that, that we cannot get ourselves out of that which we need the way out from God. And so I invite you to, to look at Exodus chapter 16 and 17. We'll go back a little bit to where Pastor Bill shared last week. And we're going to look at where does Jesus powerfully show up. And I remember uh, when, I was, uh, when I was raising my kids, there was that little book, uh, Where's Waldo, if you remember that. And, and Where's Waldo, when I remember the pages of that, it was a mass of humanity and it was a geographic complexity and this was one little figure somewhere was in that page. And I am horrible at those games. I tried to help my children find Waldo and I could never find him they often would find him on their own or they would do what they often did is they would ask their mother and their mother always can find him. You know, I, I've got that male disease. When I, when I look in the refrigerator, I can never find what I'm looking for. And, and it's always there, but I always have to have someone else point out where, where that dessert I'm looking for or where the milk is or where for me, where's the ketchup in the refrigerator? 
And I, I want you to understand that Jesus is always there whether you can feel him, whether you can see him, whether you can understand what's going on, but he is there, and particularly he's there when you're in need. So let's look at it this, this morning as we look back at Exodus 16 and 17, particularly 17, but where does Jesus powerfully show up? First of all, Jesus shows up powerful, powerfully where people are hungry. And if you remember back, uh, as, as Pastor Bill was sharing about Exodus chapter 16, what, what you had the encounter of, uh, of people who knew God, they'd experienced God, God had done the miraculous as he, as he got them out of Egypt, set them free, the 10 plagues convinced the people of Egypt that he was the one and only true God, and they, they, they left uh, Egypt and were going toward the promised land. Uh, but as they went to the promised land, and even as God showed himself to be real and met them at their point of need when they were being endangered by the, the Pharaoh's armies coming to get them, and he parted the Red Sea, they, and they celebrated in worship and song, and we looked at that a couple weeks beyond this last week. Uh, but then Exodus 16 happens, and the people started to do, those who had experienced God, what we even do today, they began to crumble, grumble and complain and to whine about what was going on. But we need to understand that what they were grumbling and complaining about is something that was really real. They, they had nothing to eat. And so God showed up, and in Exodus chapter uh, 16, we, we see him graciously coming to them and meeting their need. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3 and 4 says this, The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate the bread to the full, for you have brought us not out into the wilderness to kill this whole nation assembly with hunger. So this is a real need, and they're, they're really asking the question that we're asking today, whether it's the COVID-19 or what's happening on the streets or what's happening as people uh, are encountering death, or whether it's police officers or, or George Lloyd or others that have, been, have had things happen to them that we can't explain, and it just breaks our heart. They're saying, look, we're dying out here. You need to feed us. And they complained, first of all, to someone with skin on, but really what they were complaining to was God. And they say, well, we're hungry out here. We're in desperate need. And Moses responds, and he responds to their point of need. And he says in verse 4, uh, recorded for us in verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And, and the people will go out and gather a day's portions every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. And see, there's God graciously meeting people's need even before they deserve it because they had not come to the point where they had changed their heart attitude they hadn't changed their course of the direction of, of life they were still complaining to the appointed leader that God had given them and God said here I'll, I'll give you I'll give you food to eat I'll, I'll meet you at your need but as I meet you at your need I'm going to test your heart are you truly going to trust trust me and then you go on the story and you're familiar with the story is in Exodus chapter 16, verse 15, he, he gives them something that, that um, they had never experienced before. When the sons of Israel saw it, and this was the manna, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. As Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord is giving you to eat. And sometimes that kind of is a metaphor about what we experience in life. When, when things happen, we go, what's happening? Or was something is put in front of us, what, what is this? What is it? We had all kinds of stories when we came together for four days. We came back on, on Monday and drove many hours again to get back to, to Orange County. But uh, we were sharing experiences of being together. And one of the experiences they were sharing was 
a Thanksgiving dinner. And, and um, I don't know if you remember those days when you didn't get to dish up your own plate, but your parents dish up your plate. And I remember my parents dishing up a significant portion of, of a food item I had never really eaten before. And I looked at it, and I didn't want to eat it. And I said, what is it? And they said, well, these are peas. And I said, well, I don't eat peas. And they said, well, yes, you do. And I said, no, I don't. And, and so they kind of put the physical pressure on me uh, to eat those peas. And I said, you're not going to like what's going to happen if I eat this. And, and so I, I ate some peas, and it came all out on the plate. It was, it was rather graphic, and it's been remembered by everyone in the family since then. And, and what is it? It was something that did not agree with me. And ever since then, I've never had to eat peas in public. And I want you to understand, as they saw this, they go, what is it? What is it? It was something that God was provided for them. And unlike the peas that I ate, this was something that would satisfy their hunger. But I want you to recognize that this was more than just God providing something physical. This is really a picture of Jesus. In John chapter 6, and those who are in our life groups, and, enjoy, and I just urge you not only just to, to worship with God's people virtually or later on when everything gets opened up in a physical place of worship, but you need to get to know God's people. You, you need to be in a place where you can talk with them about God's word and apply it to your life. Well, this past week we looked at John chapter 6, and in it that Jesus said he really was the manna from heaven. He, he was really, as we, we find out, he is the bread of life, and I have that portion of the scripture in your outline. And we need to recognize that Jesus, he shows up everywhere. And he wants us to recognize that the, the physical food that he gave the people in the time of Exodus with Israel and, and, the, and the food he gave to those who saw Jesus when he was here and when he fed the 4,000 and when he fed the 5,000, this was just a picture of saying, look, at this is food which you can eat today, but after you eat of it, you'll be hungry the next day. But if you'll take the bread of life, if you'll, if you'll put your faith and trust in me, then, then I, will, I will satisfy your hunger of, for what life is all about, and you'll never hunger again. And so as we think about what God does, he shows up. And when you think about Jesus, he is the one who shows up. And if you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the, the disciples said, well, you've you got to send them away. We can't feed them. We're, we can't meet their need. And Jesus said, I'm the one who can meet people's deepest need, the hunger in the heart in which we're filled with despair and questions and needs. And, and God shows up and becomes real to those who turn to him. So where does God show up? Where does Jesus show up? He shows up where people are hungry. He, he's the man of Exodus, and he's the bread of life. But I want to go to Exodus chapter 17 because this kind of relates to experience we have as well. And, and sometimes it's confusing as we think about walking with God and knowing God. Exodus 17 begins this way. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel, that's kind of interesting, we use the word congregation in churches today. This was the assembly of God's people. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin. And we learned that last week uh, in the message that, that sin is really just a, a, it's not the word that we use for transgressing the law of God. It was really a designation of a, of a location. And, and this was a place, we don't know exactly where it was. It was probably on the eastern shore of the Red Sea. But this is where they were at, and then they were headed in a particular direction. 
So they began from the wilderness of sin, and according to the command of the Lord, and if you have your own Bible, you might want to underline that or circle that, uh, what brought them from point A to point B. In this particular case, it was the direct hand of God leading them. We know the pillar of cloud uh, that was to lead them during the day in the cloud of fire, the pillar of fire at night, and they were led directly to their next location. And they camped at Reftium, and there was no water for the people to drink. Now, I'm just going to stay here just for a moment. There's a number of things. We're going to be taking communion later on for those who would like to remember the Lord in that way and are their hearts prepared. But what's significant about this, and I don't want you to miss that, is that as we go through life, uh, there are times that, that we, are, we are hungry, we are, we are in need of, of, of something physical to allow us to go from uh, where we're at to continue on in life, and, and God will meet us at our need. And, and let's be honest, sometimes we could just simply say to God, well, God, I, I know you can feed me, but why don't you just bring me to that place where I'm never hungry again, and, and we, we need to wait upon the Lord to show up. But in this particular case, they, their need was water, but the more challenging thing is that Jesus didn't show up because they were confused. And how were they confused? Because God had led them from one wilderness that had some source of water to another part of the wilderness that had no source of water. Now, if God is leading and now you're at a place where you, a, a real need cannot be met, who are you going to blame? You're going to blame God. And God, you could have prevented this, but you, but you haven't. You didn't. And I guess I need us to remind ourselves, again, as we think about the journey of walking with God, is, is that he's the one who leads us, but sometimes he leads us where life is not always going to be easy. This was something that God directly led them to. Reminds me of Jesus being led in, the, in our wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, where he was led into the wilderness to be tempted, and for 40 days he had nothing to eat or drink, and and he even said, uh, in terms of food, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. And, and Jesus passed the test of being tempted and tested of his faith. And we need to recognize that, that God sometimes leads us into places where life is not going to be easy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, we hear these words from the Apostle Paul, who was, I would say, walking pretty closely to God. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, or we could say confused. God shows up when we are confused, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. There have been people who have been struck down recently. Some by the police force, but even more so, those in the police force have been struck down as well. Even this this past year, even this past week, three police officers have been killed in the line of duty. The five have been shot. In fact, in, eight, in five months, 89 police officers have been shot in the line of duty. And, and what we need to realize is that we need to mourn for those who are mourning, weep for those who are weeping. For whatever reason, they've experienced that which is not just and that which is not righteous. And, not, and that which was never according to God's plan. And, and so when, when we realize we live in a messed up world, messed up things are going to happen, evil things are going to happen. And, and we should not be surprised by that. 
In the midst of God leading his people, we need to be people who are part of the solution, not part of the problem. We need to come alongside those who are hurting. Hurting because their race has been demeaned, has been persecuted, has been beaten down, and show the love and patience with them as they've gone through things that maybe we've never gone through. And we need to rise up and support those who are trying to enforce the law and encourage them and support them as well and not be people on either side but on both sides who are really hurting. And let's just be honest. They had gone from now being fed food and now they're going to the place they have nothing to drink. There is no water. Which leads me just to the other very simple observation in this text as they go from one challenge to another they cry out to, to, to Moses again. And, and let's be honest, those who are in positions of leadership in our nation, I don't care whether you voted them for or not, that they have an impossible task to, to lead a, a nation in, in conflict. And they, they rise up against Moses, and again, they, they challenge him for bringing us to that place. In, in Exodus chapter 17, God gives them again graciously that which um, they needed. And just backing up to Exodus chapter 17, verse 2, it says this, Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? And so they put the blame on him. And, and, and to the point where he goes on and says, But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why, why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And he goes on in verse 4, he says, Moses cried out to the Lord saying, What shall I do to the people? A little more and they will stone me. And maybe you've heard the rhetoric on both sides. And people are so angry that they just want to lash out and, and hurt people around them. And you would have thought maybe the wrath of God would come down and consume them all. But God, again, is gracious and merciful. And that's what, he called, that's what he's called God's people to be as well. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand and your staff with which we struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Oreb, and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Masa and Meribah. Masa mean testing, Meribah mean quarreling or contending or or complaining because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel because they had tested the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not which really backs us up to the title of this message where's Jesus I don't care whether we find Waldo but we better find Jesus we better find where God is and and they couldn't see God why because their pain their their need was so great they they weren't looking for them, were he? They were looking very carefully because he was always there. And as I think about that, we, we should never miss, it's not just God in general that showed up, it was Jesus who showed up. As we look at this in, in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, we, we have it spoken to us very plainly that, that Jesus shows up. John 7, verse 37 and 39, Jesus said to them as God reveals himself in all that he did in the Old Testament through Jesus it says 
Verse 36, you will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come unless the Lord draws you to myself. And then he goes on, verse 37, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And by this he spoke of the Spirit. Those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was yet given when Jesus was not yet glorified. That we could take this whole passage in Exodus chapter 17, which reveals the one and only true God who is powerful and present, that it's all of who God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he said, look, at Jesus said, look, at if you'll just come to me and drink of the water which I will give, you will never thirst again. He, he is that rock, that foundation in which we receive the water of life. He is the water of life. He's the bread of life, and he's the water of life. And as we think about this clear declaration of Jesus being in the Old Testament, Jesus being God of gods, because God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says this very plainly about what this image of, of Moses striking the rock and the water coming from it. And he says, And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. So, so what, what are we really trying to say this morning? Is Where is Jesus? Jesus Jesus is everywhere, and he's right here, and he's right here showing up in whatever your need is. For the people of, of Israel, they, they were in, in hunger. They were in desperate need of food. And Jesus showed up, and he brought the manna. What is it? It's, it's, the, it's the bread of life from heaven. Picturing Jesus being the bread of life, which gives us not only that which gives us life here on earth, but gives us life for eternity. He's, he's the bread of life, which brings us eternal life. He, he's, the, he's the one who shows up when, when we're confused, having more questions than answers. And why would God lead us in this direction? Why, why would God allow a loving, caring, vivacious mother and aunt and, and people who just cared about her because she cared so much for them to become bipolar? to be in such manic, depressed states that, that she was so much different than she'd ever been. And, and yet it's taught us so many lessons to show love in the midst of, of whatever she was going through because she had show, shown so much love to us. And, and, and when we're filled with the thirst of life, we need to recognize that Jesus is the one who gives us the water of life because he's the rock. He, he's the foundation of our life when we're Living a life and with sinking sand, he, he's the one who gives us a foundation and stability for life. But you need to turn to him. You know, it's interesting, in Exodus chapter 17, it, it, it tells kind of stories which talk about the journey of life. You know, they, they'd experienced what you could call physical needs and, and needs of, of despair and anxiety. They, they, they hungered and they thirst. And then they were confused, and God led them to a place that, that just did not make sense to them. But then as, as, as God covers all that, all of a sudden now they are attacked from the outside. And, and let's be honest, some of us are fearful not only what's happening in our world, but now the surrounding nations around us. Now what are they going to do? They, they think that America is now weak and we can't handle anything that, that's happening in our country. Maybe this is the time to take over some of the things that, that we take so much pride in. 
And the people of God, uh, in Exodus chapter 17, it says that the, a nation surrounding there attacked them. And as we think about that, sometimes we, we feel attacked in, in terms of, of saying that we know God, and yet our, our life has just as many challenges as others, is that we need to recognize that that's when Jesus shows up as well. The, the Bible says that we are going to be attacked, and we're going to have some things we go through, but, but Jesus is our answer. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, it talks about, finally, be, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And how do you do that? Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand all the attacks of the evil one and all the things that you encounter. And, and so we all need to recognize that, that, that Jesus shows up. We don't, have to, we don't have to wonder if he's around. He, he's always there. Jesus said, I, I will never leave you or forsake you that I will be with you until the end of the age. I will be with you when you go through times of distress and, and pain and despair and questions of what's happening in life. When we can't solve all the problems, Jesus said, you need to recognize that the real problem, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And God wants to take our heart, which is so often a stone, so resistant to his word and to his plan and to his presence and to the life that he wants to give. He said, just open it up. Recognize I am here and I'm the only way out. I'm the one who was in the Old Testament. When the people of God were hungry, I, I fed them. When the people of God were confused, I, sh I, I showed him that I would give them further direction. When they were thirsty, I, 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 gave them, I gave them water, which in a miraculous way, both the manna and, and the water and the quail, uh, the, the, he fed them for 40 years in the wilderness. That, that, didn't, that, that food train didn't stop until he got to the promised land. And even when we are attacked, he shows up. Uh, in Exodus chapter 17, I just want to read this particular passage. Not only does he show up by not denying that we have opposition, 17.8 says that then Amalek came and fought against Israel. Then in verse 15, we recognize who really is the source of us being victorious. But Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. Which means he was, he was the one who, who allowed us to deal with the opposition, not only from within, but from without. So what's the point this morning? In the midst, and we could talk so much about what's happening in our nation, what's happening around us, what's happening in the past, and what's happening right now in the present, and the concerns we have for our future. But I, I want you to wonder, in the midst of, we don't know how we're going to respond, but we, and, and sometimes we don't know where other people are going to come. We've heard all kinds of reports sometimes when, when things have been going wrong, and 911 is called, and people don't show up is that God always shows up. Where is Jesus? Jesus is where you are. And he can meet you at the point of your need. But when we think about that, are we open for Jesus to show up? Are we willing to put our trust in him and not ourselves? It was interesting in the story in Exodus chapter 17 as they were in the battle and, and Moses was praying and when his hands were raised up that they were winning but when his hands came down and he could not beseech his God that 
The whole war changed. The whole battle changed. Just illustrating what what we need to do is depend upon him. Not not run from our faith, but, but turn to our faith. Turn to the one who shows up always. Jesus shows up at our point of need. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I, I wish I could make sense of everything that has happened. And this is the last number of weeks and months. I, I wish I could, I could explain to people who are desperately trying to understand why a loved one gets a severe case of bipolarism, becomes so manic and depressed that their whole personality changed. I, I wish I could... I could explain why some people have been treated historically bad in the past and why that has continued on in the present. I I wish I could explain why there's so much unrest in our nation and those who who have not been part of the problem have now received a larger portion of the pain because out of understandable anger but not righteous behavior, their businesses, their lives, their property have been taken from them. I, I, I pray for us as a nation that we, we might turn the only answer that will solve our problems, and, and that is the Savior, Jesus. And might we understand that the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart, and might we recognize the heart of every problem begins with the problem of our own heart. And I would pray that if there's someone here that's listening, that they would turn to Jesus that they would believe that he is the savior and the forgiver of their sins. That when he died on the cross, that his price paid on the cross was sufficient for their sins to be forgiven. Might we put our full trust in him, not only individually, but might we as a nation turn to you. And Father, within all that, Father, we pray that we might, whatever we can do to be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.